right, it's Monday. It's Monday, people. So many things we could start the show with today. The Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio. This is New Hampshire's Next Generation Sports Talk Radio Show. Those are not just words, I mean it. This is next generation type stuff we're doing here because our callers are incredible. Our show and our format is uh, top notch. I'm going to tell you what, I, I listened back to Friday's episode during the weekend, the first 10 minutes of that. Excellent. Excellent. You can always listen to uh, past episodes of the Sports Machine with Slim on nhtalkradio.com. It's all on demand, no commercials or anything, just boom, it's a click of a button. And you will have a good time if you listen to those first 10 minutes of Friday's show, I'm quite confident. So we could talk this t- today to start things out. We could do a Super Bowl preview. I could talk about Dan Campbell's decision, the coach of the Detroit Lions. Uh, everybody's saying, oh, should he be going for it on foot down and all these questions. Could talk about the Celtics getting their rear ends handed to them by the Clippers on Saturday. We could talk about the Bruins, how they finished up uh, real strong prior to the All-Star break, which they are on right now in the NHL. We could talk about my brother Dave's pick on Friday. He said he really liked the under in the Baltimore-Kansas City game. And my brother Dave has been pretty good with his picks on the radio here, if you've been paying attention. And man, that was that was money right there because Kansas City and Baltimore, they, they started out that game hot. 21 points in the first quarter, right? Not much after that. Not much at all. Lamar Jackson stubbed your toe. I was saying that was going to happen four weeks ago, five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Then last week I changed because of the, the prayer by John Harbaugh. Well, sometimes, you know, you ask for prayers and it doesn't <laughs> come through, unfortunately, sometimes. What does come through is this story I'm going to tell you right now about my son. I had such a great day yesterday. You know why? Because I got to spend some time with my five-year-old son and he wanted to spend the time with me. We wake up in the morning... Dad, I want oatmeal. Okay, I make him the instant oatmeal. I'm real quick with that stuff. I don't like the full uh, you know, 10 to 15 minute cooking of oatmeal. So we get him the instant oatmeal. And I say, hey, uh, you want to watch some football with me today? He's only five. He says, yeah. Yeah, and as soon as he, he, he immediately responded with the yeah. So I'm like, oh, that, that filled me with joy because I knew I wanted to watch football. And I didn't know if I was going to have to convince him. And like they would want to watch their own show. So it's like, no, no, no. I'm going to watch the TV. I'm watching, I'm watching football later today. Uh, no, he wanted to watch, with, watch it with me. Great. So I say to him, who do you want to root for? We got the San Francisco 49ers or the Detroit Lions? That's one of the games. He says, San Francisco 49ers. I'm, oh, yes, because that's who I want to root for. So, yes, okay. We're on the same team there. Well, okay, the other game is Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas City Chiefs? The Kansas City Chiefs, he responds. So, oh, no. No, we might be against each other on this one. I'm rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. And the kid responds, uh, okay, I, I want to root for, for your team. I want to root for who you're rooting for. I'll go, I'll go Baltimore Ravens too. And right there, like melted my heart. He's just old enough now where... He gets to determine whether or not like he wants to watch sports with dad. And, and for those of you out there that don't know, dad wants to watch sports all the time. <laughs> I want to watch sports all the time. If I'm in front of the TV, that's what I want to watch. And to have my five-year-old want to watch that with me yesterday, very happy. 
Very happy. We ended up going to the store. I said, come on, we got to go get some food. Let's have some food. I'll give you $20. You can spend your own $20. And this is the first time he's ever had the opportunity to do something like that. So I'm like, I wonder what he wants to buy. The one thing you have to do, if you're going to buy something, you have to be able to share it with your sister. So you might have to get two of things. So he walks right in. First thing he wants to get, colorful straws. And not even the straws that have like the chocolate stuff in it or something like that. Just just straws, a, a, a bag of straws. It's okay, fine. Box of Fruit Loops. He got that. A thing of Oreo cookies. A couple of ice creams. And a cake. So that's what five-year-olds out there want, just so everybody knows. And I let them get it all. Yesterday was a day to sit in front of the TV, watch some football, and eat pretty much whatever you want to eat. While watching Lamar Jackson once again come up short in the playoffs. And everybody's surprised. Everybody's surprised. Baltimore gets tossed. Everybody was picking Baltimore in the game. 70% of the people were taking Baltimore on the betting line side of things. The bets were all going towards Baltimore. Easy win. No, no, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's kind of good. He's kind of a good player. Might not want to be going against that guy. How's he going to do in the Super Bowl? We'll have to stay tuned for this. I'll be talking about the Super Bowl preview later on in the show today. For right now, we're talking about what's already happened. Lamar Jackson, if you hold him in the pocket and make him become a pocket passer, he's not good. Like it's that simple. It's not that like he's not bad. He's he, he he's bad. <laughs> he's bad if you keep him in the pocket. His playoff record, just so people know, he's two and four now in his career in the playoffs. Four touchdowns, eight interceptions in the four games. That Baltimore has lost in the playoffs with him starting, they have averaged 10.5 points per game. In the four games they've lost, they've averaged 10.5 points per game. So it's not top of mind for most people, but I would ask you with the Patriots fans, we're looking for a new quarterback, right? Lamar Jackson's contract, $260 million over five years, of which million is guaranteed. I'm going to tell you what. Give me Mac Jones. I'll play with Mac Jones. I'll play with Mac Jones and keep drafting a rookie, a new guy, every single year. $260 million over five years. $185 million guaranteed. The guy's two and four in the playoffs. Four touchdowns. Eight interceptions. Averages 10.5 points a game his team when they lose the four losses. I mean, twice as number one seed he's gone down. Come on. Come on. That game yesterday, Kansas City just better. Patrick Mahomes just too good. When you have a quarterback who can read the rush, buy time, going from one side to the other, and that's what Mahomes did all game long. The rush really didn't impact him at all. In fact, it almost benefited him when he had to get out of the pocket or step up or whatever it was. Patrick Mahomes was just... The man that the, I mean, second best quarterback of all time, probably. We want to just boost him above Joe Montana stuff. You know, come on. From a talent standpoint, come on. Patrick Mahomes. Yes. It's Tom Brady and then Patrick Mahomes. The other game, San Francisco, down 24 to 7 at halftime. And that 24 is kind of an important number because it could have been 21 to 7. 
And this is the thing with Dan Campbell's decision, right? Everybody's talking about, oh, he shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down, and they're beating him up. For my money, I just go, well, really, you need to have some level of consistency. Okay, so in the first half, Detroit absolutely dominates San Francisco. I mean, it was, it was just a, a, a destruction. 21-7, Detroit, if you remember, steamrolling down the field at the end, slow playing, working the clock out pretty much perfectly. They get down, it's fourth and three, or fourth and goal from the three-yard line. At the end of the first half, there was only like 10 seconds left. Dan Campbell decides to kick the field goal. As all of us watching the game are like, yeah, 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 dude. San Francisco's getting the ball back to start the second half. You don't want it to be a two-score game. You want it to be a three-score game. So you're up 14. Go up 17, Dan Campbell, because there was a little question. He kept his players on the field there. At some point, it seemed like he was going to go for it on fourth down. And anybody who, who knows what they're doing as an NFL fan is like, oh, that's a bad decision. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to do that. But so he does kick the field goal ultimately. But then later, with like six minutes to go in the third quarter, Detroit is up 14 on the 28-yard line going in, and it's a fourth and two, fourth and three. Pretty similar to the end of the first half. Now, the first half, the field goal would have been, what, a 20-yarder, right? Because you're on the three-yard line. So a 20-yarder, that's pretty much a gimme. They kick that. They go up by 17. St. Fran got the ball out. They go score, drive down the field. They score a field goal. So it's 14 again. Detroit comes back down. They're in position to kick a 45-yard field goal to go up three scores again. Dan Campbell says, says no, we're not going to kick the field goal. We're going to go for it. All I'm going to say is, Dan, if you're going to go for it there, you should have gone for it at the end of the first half when your team was totally dominating and had all the momentum. I, in fact, I would argue you should have gone for it more so at the end of the first half and then you'll definitely be kicking that field goal in the third quarter. That's very questionable, but the man got them there. Kudos to you, Dan Campbell. We'll talk more about that and other stuff here on The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Just looking for a little consistency, Dan. Monday shows, I like to usually start out with my recap from the weekend with my notes. I've got my trusty notebooks that I carry with me in front of the television all weekend long. And on Friday nights, there's things that happen that everybody forgets about by Monday morning. People don't remember what happened Friday. Well, I do because I have my notes. But I want to stay talking on the championship games. Let's, let's keep the football rolling. I will talk about the Bruins and the Celtics, and what happened Friday, Luka Doncic scores 73 points. A few days, just a few days after Joel Embiid scores 70. So what? Luka Doncic, he's never going to win anything the way he plays defense. He's never going to win anything. And it also from uh, Hockey News, Las Vegas 
beats the Rangers 5-2 Friday night. And I just was thinking, boy, Vegas versus the Bruins. Wouldn't that be something? Vegas versus the Bruins in the Stanley Cup. That'd be pretty awesome. And I guess Vegas is the host for the Super Bowl this year, huh? That's going to be interesting. I look in my notebook and I say, I remember when Las Vegas hosted the NBA All-Star Game. This is going back probably 15 years, I'd say now, because I was in Las Vegas the week after that happened, that event, and uh, for people that don't know, stay tuned. I will talk about that in segment number four, but some pretty heavy stuff went down in Las Vegas when they hosted the NBA All-Star Game. I wonder what's going to happen when they host the Super Bowl. I got a feeling maybe two weeks from today we're going to be replaying (laughs) This episode for my predictions about what's going to happen out there. Uh, When everybody from all over comes to the same place, Las Vegas, things start to to go crazy. Things went crazy in the NFC championship game yesterday. San Francisco, I'm so glad they're in the finals. I do have some bets on them. I've got a bunch of futures, so I'm rooting for San Francisco all the way. How are they going to do? Time will tell. How'd they do yesterday? Second half, they did great. Because Detroit just pretty much gave it to them. And it's, it's just an interesting statement when today will people say, Dan Campbell, did he make the wrong decisions going forward on the fourth downs? When the people that support him go, well, he was doing it all year long. All year long they've been going, that's why they got there, that's who they are. And I say, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, then why didn't he go for it on fourth and goal from the three to end the first half? If that's who he is. Like, don't you have to go for it there? Where if you get it, you actually get a touchdown. (laughs) You get a touchdown. If you go for it like he did with six minutes left in the third period for third quarter, and if you get it, all you do is get another first down. So it seems to me if you're going to go for it, you should have done it in the first half. That's what I left you going into commercial. I don't know if people think about it the same way as me, but it seems fairly obvious. Like He totally deviated from his strategy. Well, what was the strategy thinking at the end of the first half? I got to go up by three, sto- three scores. Well, why don't you need to go up by three scores with six minutes left in the third? What's the difference? Oh, it was a 45-yard field goal. You don't have trust that your field goal kicker can make a 45-yard field goal? Then you need to find a new field goal kicker. If he can't make a, a kick in perfect conditions in California in a playoff game you know, to, to, with a chance to be going to the Super Bowl, if you don't have faith that your kicker can make that 45-yarder, then you either have the wrong field goal kicker or just a head-scratching situation. And for my money, I'll tell you, if I was a really good field goal kicker, I'd never want to be a kicker on Detroit Lions. <laughs> like, I'll be so mad today. I would just be like, dude, what am I even here for? Like, I would be calling a, a, a meeting. <laughs> with the management, <laughs> what what am I doing here? You, you have the chance to go to the Super Bowl, and you won't even let me play? You just keep me on the sidelines? Badgley, is that the guy's name? I want to see I remember that dude from college somewhere, but if I'm him, I'm, I'm, I'm exceptionally unhappy this morning. You know who else is unhappy? This Josh Reynolds guy. I actually feel bad for him. Do you know that name, Josh Reynolds? Does it ring a bell? He's the dude that dropped the two two easy catches. Well, one was definitely easy. The f- first one, which was the, the play we were talking about, the fourth down with six minutes left in the third, Goff throws it a little bit behind him, but, I mean, you're on the ground. It was p- perfect you know, proximity to the ground. It avoids a big hit for him. He needs to make the catch. It was in his hands. Well, he misses it. But then later, 
he drops a big third down conversion for Detroit. So this poor guy, he's got to be having the world on his shoulders today, feeling like he lost the game. And you did. You know, and you, you, it's right for you to feel that way, Josh Reynolds. You, you lost the game for your team. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I don't mean to make you feel bad, but it's your fault, 100. <laughs> percent Hey, you can say, "Oh, the Jameer Gibbs guy. Yeah, he fumbled. He's also a rookie." And here's what happens when Dan Campbell says all season long, "Well, you know, we're gonna be going for it on fourth down, and if we don't get it, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna step up and I'll accept responsibility. That's on me." Like he said that so many times during the re- the regular season because he was going for it and it was working out. Maybe a couple times it didn't, but he always was like, I'm going to be the man who step up and, and take responsibility. Well, it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, dude. You talk about that all regular season long. You keep saying, I'll be at the microphone. You, you know, I'll, I'll accept the responsibility. Well, guess what? Well, you had to accept the responsibility yesterday. And he still says, well, I'm not going to change my mind. And that's all well and good. But what I told you last week, leading up to the game, with Detroit... And the way that they handled the end of the game against Tampa Bay. When Tampa Bay didn't call a timeout, when they could have gotten the ball back, only down eight points if they, if they had forced Detroit to uh, kick a field goal. In that game, it was going to be 49 yards going back to two weeks ago. Right? The Detroit kicker was going to have to make a 49-yard field goal. Well, his coach doesn't have confidence he was going to make a 45. Why would, he be, why would we feel so confident he was going to make a 49-yard field goal? If he had missed it, Tampa Bay would have had the ball back with 30 seconds, down eight, chance to go tie the game. Because Detroit's head coach, Dan Campbell, I mean, let's just call it what it was, wasn't smart enough to say, hey, Jared Goff, don't snap the ball so soon. And it's Jared Goff's fault, too. Anybody with, I mean, you know, fully functional brain would certainly not be snapping the ball so early. They would have let 10 plus more seconds come off the clock each time. Like, this is the chance to move on. You worked your whole year to, to move forward in the playoffs. And you're willing to just laissez-faire. Oh, I'm just going to go up and, and take a knee. No, it's all right. Nobody's going to call a timeout. So I talked to you about that last week with Dan Campbell and Todd Bowles, the coaches, both messed up. Well, in that locker room for Detroit, believe me, they were hearing that stuff during the week. Believe me, they were talking to people who said, wow, you guys got lucky Tampa Bay didn't call that timeout. And the players go, yeah, wait a second, what were we doing? Wow. And Dan Campbell, he owns it after the game. Yeah, well, I didn't hear, we didn't handle that great at the end of the game. Like, no, dude, it was your fault 1,000%. And what happens is all week long, the team goes, man, this coach, I don't know, that, dude, that was pretty, that was not smart. That wasn't smart at all to be doing what we did. We could have lost ourselves the game. And that festers in their mind. And then you're in the middle of the game yesterday. And do we kick the field goal before the first half? Do we go for it? And Campbell keeps everybody guessing. And then he kicks the field goal. Now the players start to go, was that the right decision? What are we going to do? Are we going for it? Are we not? And then they go for it later. They get stopped. This is the type of stuff that matters to these players. Now we're going to blame Jameer Gibbs for fumbling. But the handoff wasn't clean. And I will say, the tight end there from Carolina, Greg Olson, he done a pretty good job. I'm, I'm all in on him over Tony Romo. I will say that a thousand percent. I'd rather listen to Greg Olson a, a billion times over Tony Romo. If I could sidetrack and just say, listening to Tony Romo, who was calling with Jim Nance, I believe, the Baltimore-Kansas City game, listening to Tony Romo have the gall to say, 
well, Patrick Mahomes should have done this. And he does it every time. Like, oh, he's going to be, he should have done this. I'm just like, Tony Romo, dude, never won anything. In fact, he dropped a snap on an extra point that would have, like, sent the game into overtime. He couldn't handle a perfect snap right to him that lost his team the game. He never won anything. He should never be critiquing Patrick Mahomes, like, ever. Anytime he does, anytime he does, I'm just like infuriated. Like, who's this guy? He has no clue. <laughs> just like of his own ability in the past. Like, what are you doing, dude? You just you just say something else. Don't don't say, oh, Patrick Mahomes should have done this or that. He's the second greatest quarterback of all time. Like, you don't get the chance to critique that guy. Whatever he does, he did it for a reason. It's the second best player of all time, and he can do whatever the heck he wants. And we don't need Tony Romo playing, uh, you know, secondary coach. But Greg Olson, yeah, I think Greg Olson probably could because he said Jameer Gibbs held the ball in the wrong hand because the handoff went kind of shady or wasn't smooth. And then he's thinking about that. He gets hit, fumbles the ball. It's a rookie. I don't blame the kid. He played a heck of a game. It was just Dan Campbell. Your luck ran out, man. And now you get to watch the rest of the season from home in the comfortability of your, uh, your rocking chair. This is The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. I'm going to get you caught up on the Bruins and the Celtics when we come back here on NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. Boston Celtics, the Boston Bruins. I'm going to do my rundown with them. First, let's finish up the NFL action. But uh, also, I will put it out to the callers out there. The callers, if you want to get involved, 603-224-1450 is the number. 603-224-1450. That's the sports hotline here at the Sports Machine with Slim. Some quick stats to wrap up the NFL stuff. But if we want to keep talking NFL... Give me a ring. We can. I'm. I'm okay. Okay. Shifting gears. I don't have to do my Celtics stuff today. They do play tonight. Celtics play four times this week. We got three games in the next four days. Tonight, tomorrow we play tonight. New Orleans. Tomorrow, Indiana at home. We got to beat Indiana. Thursday we play the Lakers. Sunday, Memphis. So um, when the Celtics played Saturday night, that started a seven-game homestand. Pretty cool stats from the championship games this weekend. Jared Goff. 25 for 41, 273 yards and a TD. Man, he was good. No interceptions. 273 yards, 25 for 41, but he put two fourth down passes right on well, one right on the money. And then the third down drop by that Josh Reynolds guy. That was another 15 yards that was right on the money. And he had that bomb. Later in the game, that was like 30 or 40 yards to, who was it, Williams? In the end zone. I mean, I mean, it would have been a tough catch, but it was in his arms. Who would be thinking, like, Jared Goff is a top four or five NFL quarterback? I don't think the Rams would have been thinking that when they were trading away him for uh, Matthew Stafford, who I'm on big time now. It's like Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford are two of the best quarterbacks In the NFL, I'm not going out on a limb to say that. My brother Dave, I think, wants to come on the line and 
pick up some accolades that I have ready for him. Nice call on that under in the Baltimore KC game, Dave. Yeah, it didn't start off looking too good. The first, <laughs> first period, the first quarter had me, had me a little concerned, but you know, then they settled in and you know, things turned out exactly the way they're supposed to when things are working well. Well, they worked well in that call here. What do you think about uh, the games overall and what happened? Do these teams look look good? Does one team look much better than the other heading into next week? I don't know where you want to start. So I, I think there's a lot of parity in the NFL, and, and listen, Mahomes is, is the best. I don't think his team is really that good. In fact, if you look at the last you know 10, maybe 20 years, I think that the, the Kansas City Chiefs this year, I think this is a, a, a terrible Super Bowl team by comparison to some of the, the teams that have come out over the last 20 years in each conference. You know, and, and the biggest thing is this, just the hit in Detroit. You know, I, like, I don't have a problem with, with Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth down. I know a lot of people do. He's taking a lot of heat. To, and I will say, my father said yesterday <laughs> he was going to take a, a ton of heat for that decision if they lost the game. And I just disregarded it and said, no, I don't, re- I don't think so. He's been doing that all year long. What we're seeing is there's a, there's a big difference between regular season and playoff football. And Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth down didn't cost the team the game. You had Jameson Williams drop a surefire first down catch the very next possession, I think after one of those San Fran scores. You had Jameer Gibbs drop the ball on first play after getting the ball back again, giving the ball back to San Francisco. You had a D-back drop a surefire interception that bounces off his face mask <laughs> and lands in the hands of Brandon Ayuk. And I bring those things up because clearly the football players on his team were shaken. And right. in the regular season, when you got another game, you don't worry about that. You just think, it was like, I love it. Like, let's go. We're going for the win. We're, play- we're here to-, to win and nothing else. But in the postseason, it was very noticeable. The rest of his players, they all were shaken, and it showed, and it took one quarter for them to lose that game. If he goes for it, Dave, at the end of the first half, when they're up for it's 21-7, to Detroit, and there's 10 seconds left in the first half, they're on the two- or three-yard line. If Detroit goes for that there, instead of kicking the field goal, if they either way, is potentially the game outcome different? I just think that it is in the mindset of the, of the team, like, we're going for it all the time, if you go for it, and if you go up by 21 there, there's a high likelihood that finishes the game. There is, but I think every decision, is, is it's easy in hindsight to look back and say, hey, they should have done this. Now, at the end of the first half when they kicked the field goal, I think that's the right decision from a momentum standpoint. You can get up 17, you're sending San Francisco into the locker room, they get the ball first, you're sending them into the locker room down three scores, they're not feeling good, whereas if you go for it and you miss, San Fran's going into the locker room on a heater. They're going to come out. If they get one touchdown, all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, like this game's in doubt. So I thought from a momentum standpoint that the field goal before the half is the right decision. Take me into the the mind of Dan Campbell then. What's different with six minutes left in the third quarter when you're up by 14 and you can kick a field goal to again go up by three scores? Uh, So uh, San Fran has 10 points in the game, right? At that point, San Fran only has 10 points. You're now... 40 minutes, you're two-thirds of the way through an NFL game. You're on the road playing the one seed, and his mindset is, we can end this right here, right now. A field goal is great, but if we get a first down, we drain another four minutes off the clock, 
We go and we get a score. Even if it's a field goal, it's shortening the game. And he has done this for his two years over in Detroit, which is, again, why I wasn't surprised that he was going for it. And, and listen, I had a money line play on Detroit. <laughs> so, so if somebody should be mad, it's probably me. But this what it is. Like, I knew he was going to go for it at that circumstance because he's just trying to go for what I think is the kill shot. Like, hey, we're going to bury this team right now. It's game over if we get this. Whereas with a field goal, well, you know, I mean, I think the game is still in his mind a little in limbo because you're keeping more time on the clock. So that first drive for for San Fran, Dave, out of the out of the um, halftime. Remember, there was a third down play where Purdy rolls out to his left, totally throws across his body over the middle, and number fifteen, the receiver from San Fran, goes up with one arm, total lucky pulls it down, and they get a first down. So I would just say San Fran had already built momentum coming out of halftime. They had held you to three going into halftime. You come out, that play was totally lucky. If he doesn't make that play, San Fran might have had to punt or they would have been going for it on fourth down. When he gets that, they kick the field goal. You're still down the two scores. I just feel like the field goal with six minutes left, to me, it just changes momentum again. You, you open the door so much when you go for it there, and, and the, the, obviously the Reynolds guy wasn't ready, so he, he didn't catch that ball that he should have. Yeah, the issue with that is if he doesn't coach like that all the time, it's a different team. Detroit doesn't want a playoff game in 30 years. That guy's coming in in two years, and I don't think he's the greatest coach, but two years into his, his you know, reign as the Detroit Lions coach, he's, he's done an admirable job. Incredible. And I think Incredible. Anybody yeah. would be looking or happy to have that guy as their coach right now. Absolutely. 30 years, no playoff. So to then say in that instance he should have done this, hey, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. He's never coached that way, and he's made that, that team a championship contender. And so if anybody's mad at him, they want to, they want to call for his job, no, that's well, crazy. Hey, like, that's I think crazy. that's I think that's a little silly. You you have a, you won two games in the playoffs, and you should have won. You were the better team. They look yes, like the they. best team out of all four, Dave. To me, De- Detroit just looks so well rounded. And you might look and go, "Well, you know, Jared Goff not as good as Patrick Mahomes." Jared Goff was awesome yesterday. High quality quarterback. He's been there before. He's been to a Super Bowl. It is funny to think that if he had won yesterday. He'd have as many Super Bowl appearances as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers combined. <laughs> so, so that's why, as that game was going off, that's why I really like Detroit. I'm like, well, this guy's been here before. Purdy hasn't been here before. Purdy got extremely lucky yesterday. Oh, my got God. Extremely lucky. I've already got developing opinions on the Super Bowl. But, boy, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to just not watch that game and be like, boy, there was a lot of luck involved. Oh, my God, absolutely. Detroit was way better. The offensive line, the defensive line, everything. The the biggest plays of the game were all total luck for San Francisco. It's just like they were destined to go. And then at the end, Christian McCaffrey maybe runs out of luck and seems to land on his head. I think that's why the line movement might have jumped so much. It opened up at two or two and a half, Dave. I saw it right after the game, two and a half. Boom, right down to one. And it's now it's like you got to bet 102 to make uh, 100 on Kansas City on the money line even. So it's almost it's it's almost an even even game, I wonder if there's word that McCaffrey might have been injured on that play. I mean, he certainly seemed like he was. He didn't come back in afterwards for the last drive. Two weeks, we'll learn a lot more through the practices, but I, I mean, it is funny. You put both both defenses, I think, kind of mirror one another. Right? They're, they're both really stout, really get after the running backs. They, you know, I mean, they, they game plan well. Uh, great uh, uh, linebacking cores. 
So, I mean, I, I'm curious about Greenlaw. What's his injury? Because that, that looked, and I don't know if he came back in. They said it was a singer, but I he didn't did. notice him in the game. He did. did he you came back. Him? Yeah, he made a couple plays afterwards. He was in on tackles and stuff like that. So he, he did come back. I don't know if he'll be 100% or whatnot. But I will tell you, his percentage is 65% of the money coming in early is on Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be, I don't know what the total is. I mean, but this will be something two weeks. Like I said, developing opinions. Takes a lot of time to come up with winners. I come up with mine right away, baby. (laughs) Who's everybody betting? What team looks like they should win? Kansas City and Kansas City. Hmm. Maybe San Francisco has a little something in store for us. What I've got in store for all of you is one more segment here on the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio. Bruins and Celtics talk right here to finish things out from the weekend. People know Saturday the Bruins during the day beat Philadelphia 6-2. They scored four goals in about four minutes. Four goals in four minutes in the first period. Pasternak got it started. Pasternak ended it four in a row. Bruins finish up the first half, if we can call it the first half. 31 wins, nine losses, nine overtimes. Charlie Coyle gets a goal, Van Riemsdyk a goal, Heinen a goal, McAvoy a goal, Pasternak two goals. This team's good, people. I'm just going to tell you, they're good. Are they Edmonton-level good? I'm not sure. For people that don't know, Edmonton Oilers, they've won 16 games in a row right now on the other side of the bracket, where Las Vegas is too. I'm glad to see those teams, two teams will have to fight it out <laughs> to play us. I'm starting to really think the Bruins are going there, baby. Bruins, I love what I'm seeing. We're going to keep tracking them all the way through the May playoffs or April playoffs. When do we get started? Celtics. I'm not as confident as them uh, of them anymore. I told you people for the last five, six, seven weeks, I've been saying San Francisco 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. The Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA championship this year. Then last week, I changed my picks. As a man has a right to do. I changed my picks. I went to 76ers in the NBA and Baltimore in the NFL. Well, guess what? Baltimore's done, though. And my initial take, San Francisco's still alive, so what do I do? I don't, I don't know. Can I maintain any level of credibility out here right now? If I go back to San Francisco, everybody's going to take Kansas City and Zubo. I'm just telling you right now. That is, that is the dream scenario for San Fran. San Fran is so, like, talent-laden. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey... Kittle? Did you see Kittle like just totally plant Hutchison in that game? Kittle can block, man. He blocked two guys on one play. Like took them both out. San Francisco is so good. It's just Josh Pur- uh, Purdy. Purdy is just, uh, he's not the guy. <laughs> I mean, y- thank God they let him run yesterday. That's all I'll say. So let's see. The Celtics, 
They started a seven-game homestand Saturday night, playing the Clippers. And for people that don't know, the Clippers have been on fire. Clippers have been hot, hot. Kawhi Leonard had played, I saw, something like uh, 40 out of 43 games or something like that. He's not taking any nights off. Kawhi Leonard's playing this year, and he's playing good. And when I watched the game, James Harden, who plays for the Clips, he's not dominating the ball at all. Like he's, un- he's just fitting in as a scoring option and playing some defense, I guess. I don't know. But the Clippers are playing very good, and boy, they came in and they just spanked us to the tune of 115-96. It wasn't even close to that close. It was closer to a 40-point blow. Celtics had another one of these just quit jobs in them like they did a week or two against Milwaukee. And so that's two times, your two biggest games. I mean, maybe the Denver one, I guess, in between, which we also lost. But... You know, the Celtics, you can't be quitting like this, dude, and say, oh, we didn't quit. Well, I mean, we didn't care. Okay. Two times you got embarrassed. And you got embarrassed at home here. This was this was just awful. My notes, so as I go to him, one of the big things I did want to get to, Luke Cornett got a haircut, and it looked good on Saturday. I poke fun at people's haircuts. That's what I do. But, man, Luke Cornett, props, dude. Good job. Looking like a new player, Scalabrini was talking about. Didn't recognize him. Very solid haircut. Word has it he's questionable for this evening and might not play, which I don't think is a huge deal. I love that that Kata guy. So I'm all in on him playing as much. The Celtics on Saturday started the game 0 for 10 from 3. 0 for 10. Score at the end of the first period, 26-21. You know who started out pretty good? Jason Tatum. You know why? Because he was going to the hoop. He started out, I think, 4 for 5 from the field. And the team, when the lead started to get extended for the Clippers and Tatum was out there, he didn't, he didn't like, request the ball. And, and I say request because I wrote down in capital letters in my notebook here, Tatum, demand the ball. And this is the attitude stuff that I've been talking about with this step-back threes. If you watch Tatum over the last couple of weeks, when he goes to the hole incredibly good things are happening. And I will say, I don't need him going to the hole every single game now. I don't need him doing it all the time. But do it enough so that you know when the playoffs come, when your team needs a basket, you're going to demand the ball and you're going to go to the hoop. Because every time you do it, you score. Like, literally, it's 75 to 80% of the time. Just watch. If you're watching games this week, we got four games this week. You can watch tonight and tomorrow against Indiana. Watch how many times Tatum goes to the hole. When he does, watch what happens. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be good things because he's building up confidence and he's dunking on people's heads now. He wasn't doing that that much last year through traffic. He was not. He'll do it to finish the transition here and there. Tatum ain't throwing down tons of dunks and games over people through traffic. He's starting to now, people, and he should. He's huge. So go to the hoop. But the next piece is when your team is 0 for 10 from 3, it's, hey, stop shooting the threes. Give me the ball. I was telling you earlier, weeks ago, Drew Holiday should have said that to Tatum. Like, Tatum now needs to be saying, give me the ball. I'm going to the hoop. Let's see if he can do it. And his teammates need to notice that. That was really bad on the Celtics teammates Saturday night when I watched this. Just jacking up threes. When you get a guy like Tatum who's hot up to the challenge of playing Kawhi and the Clippers, that's a big game for him. He wants to play Paul George. He wants to play against Harden. He wants to beat those guys now. He's starting to turn this corner. I saw it in his eye that night. 
but his team just didn't give him the opportunity, and he was too passive. Tatum, you're still the best player on our team. For as much as I talk trash about you here and get on you for shooting step back back threes, you are the best player on our team, and it's not close. Demand the basketball. Don't let your team's teammates be jacking up threes. If you're going to go to the hole, you're going to put your body on the line. Demand the ball. You deserve it. Side note, Jalen Brown kind of stinks against good teams. I had that for a text from a friend, and he's right. If we look back, Jalen Brown, when we play against good teams, he disappears. Dude, I, I, I'm really starting to say that's the guy we need to trade. And somebody said that contract's untradeable. That's crazy talk. Teams want him. Now's the time to really look at maybe we move him. I, I mean, what is, what is he doing for us? Okay, his defense. Yeah, it's because everybody else plays great defense on the team too, dude. Your stats are overinflated because you're playing with a really huge team. Porzingis is 7-2, 7-3, whatever. Al Horford's tall. Tatum's tall. You got, you got guys that can cover up your mistakes. Jim Brown ain't that great of a defender. Let's, let's be real. The scrubs came in for the Celts, and I, you know, I say that uh, admirably. I wish I was a scrub for the Celtics. <laughs> but the scrubs came in. They were on fire. I love the Celts scrubs. So let's see how they rebound tonight. My guess is the Celts will probably not play too great tonight. I, I, I could expect a loss, actually, from the Celtics. I'd say we'd be more looking towards tomorrow playing Indiana. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. And here's, here's what I mentioned earlier. Going to Las Vegas, everybody's going to be coming out there from, from Los Angeles, from big cities. You get Phoenix, they, they're going to make their moves out to the city. It's party time, baby. you got the Super Bowl going on out there. Well, I was out there, like I said, 15 years ago or so for the NBA All-Star game. I was out there like the, a week after. In the town, as I was there going to restaurants and stuff, the city was still abuzz, like still talking about what had happened. It was, it was horrific. What happened in Las Vegas during the NBA All-Star weekend? And the NBA said, like, we're not going to hold the All-Star game here ever again. Back back then. People might have forgotten about this, but I was in restaurants talking to waitresses and stuff. They said, oh, yeah, this whole place was packed. It was mobbed. People had to wait. People were eating and just getting up and leaving and not paying their tab. And I'm not talking, like, one table here or there. Like, the whole place. The whole city was in total lockdown mode on the streets because there were so many cabs and vehicles that had come into town. You couldn't get a cab because nobody could get to you. You'd be in a car ride to go like a mile or two, and it was literally taking people like an hour or two hours. So the whole city just burst over, and there was, you know, there was problems. There was fights. There's all different stuff that happens in Las Vegas, and you can just imagine uh, how much more amplified it's going to be when there's more people out there. But just the traffic and in the restaurants, I spoke firsthand with people, and I was like, what? This what? It was all, it happened everywhere. And now we're going to have the Super Bowl out there. I'm just going to throw a prediction into the wind, as I tend to like to do. And as we all know, some of my predictions are on and some of my predictions are not. But I'll predict there's some heavy stuff that goes down out there over the weekend of the Super Bowl. I'll predict I'll predict there's some people out there that are unsavory and uh, not looking just to have a good time. They're looking to rob people. So I, I will imagine that there's going to be some trouble out there. Let's see if I'm right. We'll stay tuned for that. we got two weeks to talk about the NFL big game as people tend to call it nowadays. This is The Big Show, The Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and htalkradio.com is where you can go to have some fun. 
Let's start the week out. Have a great uh, Monday out there, people.